I think it should never be permitted to happen again. That is very good. Hello everyone and welcome to the Cricket Podcast. I'm Jack Hope and today I'm joined by Max Roy Brown. How are you, Max? Hi Jack. Yeah, good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you, Max. Yeah, not too bad. Um, In addition to Max, we are also joined by cricket writer, broadcaster, ex-player and the finest legal mind to join us on the Cricket Podcast to date. How are you doing, Isabel Westbury? I'm doing very well, although I think you had David Gow on recently, and I'm pretty sure that we went to law school, or at least started a law degree, so I reckon, you know, if he had put his mind to it, I reckon he could be pretty, pretty damn good. It sounds well. like uh, our, not that I'm if we get into any legal <laughs> trouble, it sounds like we've got a pretty good, uh, <laughs> pretty good set of guests. Shoved you onto somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's my first move. Gower Westbury has got a a magic circle ring to it. Um, I, I was about to say that sounds like a sort of second tier high streets listers. Oh, okay, but, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe not magic circle then. Um, <laughs> maybe you can help with my conveyancing then. <laughs> um, anyway, this week on the show, we we will be doing a summary or a little roundup of the English summer in 2020. We've we've not quite closed the book on that. Um, and now here we are sitting in mid-October. We feel like that is due. Um, then we will be moving on to talk about the IPL. We'll be reviewing last weekend's fixtures and having a look forward to the next three or four games. We're at the halfway stage in that tournament, so I, I think things are start uh, things are starting to um, to shake out quite nicely in that. Um, we'll jump straight in with this summer, though, and I think it's fair to say that we've probably got a little bit more cricket than we expected. Um, the men's team in particular, they managed to get a, a full schedule in, so they beat the West Indies and Pakistan before struggling a little bit in the white ball cricket later in the summer. Um, eventually, we did see the women's team in action, and domestically, uh, Notts, Essex, and the Southern Vipers all managed to win trophies. Um, that's a lot of preamble for quite a simple question, I reckon. Um, Max, what did you enjoy most about cricket this summer? Uh, well, aside from what you just mentioned, Jack, in that there was so much of it, and uh, it was all on TV, and we were all working from home, so that uh, helped a little <laughs> with being able to watch it. <laughs> it does, it does make it easier, but I feel as though it takes out the kind of the jeopardy element, doesn't it? I mean, part of the fun previously of watching cricket or listening to cricket while you were at the office was that kind of sneaking away and it was a bit of adrenaline pumped whereas you're doing it at home I mean you just got it up there in front of you when you've got a dozen other zoom screens on it it sort of takes something away from it was my feeling well that's true actually and as well you um you know listening to things like TMS while you're at your desk and then every now and then you'll spy someone else sort of doing a little (laughs) surreptitious fist pump at the same same time and you've made friends for life then haven't you it's not quite the same with the the cat, right? <laughs> um, Max, sorry, cat, carry on. Yes. Um, so yeah, aside from that and all the cricket there was, I think um, I, I'm going to have to be very uh, well mainstream, I suppose is the word, and um, say that uh, Jimmy getting 600 wickets was a, a pretty pretty nice moment. No, it wasn't too bad. I mean, actually, I've just remembered that that, that didn't even make my initial shortlist. <laughs> embarrassingly. <laughs> Uh, Isabel, what was uh, your your moment of the summer? Or your favourite, the favourite thing that happened in cricket in in the summer of twenty twenty? Jack, I'm glad that you said that I didn't make your shortlist because I was suddenly worried that I've gone really left field. Because my favourite moment was actually um, 
was when Stuart Brawl was sitting in that Big Brother style chair, sort of huffing and puffing about how upset he was that he'd been dropped from the first test. Because and I, the reason I say this, because it's a non, non sort of on for cricketing moment, was because to me that was kind of reassurance that everything was okay. Because suddenly we had, you know, a bowler being grumpy, everyone was speculating about England's test team. Um, and England had already lost the first test of the summer, I kind of felt, well, this is this is fine. The world is okay because normal service has resumed. It was a very reassuring sight. And then from then on in, as you say, we had a full international men's schedule and a lot of cricket ensued. So it was kind of the, the start of everything being sort of okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a good point. Um, and, and it's it's on a similar theme to mine, although, although mine uh, is probably slightly... Well, significantly more personal, I think. Um, uh, so I, I was looking back. I had a short list, and it had Butler scoring runs, and the Wokes, and uh, all the, the the partnership between him and Wokes. And I thought West Indies taking the first test of of the summer to sort of really show that that, that we'd have good competitive cricket as well. We're all good. But my personal favourite moment was was the return of of the recreational game. And if I was to to narrow it down slightly more. Um, the, the real moment of the summer. We have a player called Ed on our cricket team. Um, and Ed, Ed, Ed isn't very good at cricket, and he's particularly bad at batting. Um, and I and I say that not really, not really a caveat with the with with. with does Ed does Ed listen to your podcast? I'm getting worried. <laughs> hopefully he hopefully he'll listen to this. Um, anyway, even at the even at the the terrifically incompetent standard of cricket we play at, Ed's bad. Um, now Ed normally bats left-handed. Uh, about halfway through last year, he picked up a bat right-handed and said to him, and basically announced to the team that that actually felt more more comfortable, <laughs> and went out to bat right-handed on on that occasion. Um, if you're wondering, he got a two-ball duck, which 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 is approximately one more ball than he normally faces. So. Um, Ed, if you're listening, I encourage you to try that one more time. Um, but it, it was so it was sort of at that moment that that, uh, that I, I really appreciated the game. It was it was a it was a um, Saturday and Sunday afternoon playing cricket was was uh, a moment of normality in a in a kind of sea of yeah. chaos. Um, so that, that was what I appreciated most. Um, Max, before we take a quick break, would you like to remind our listeners uh, of the important things they need to do? Absolutely. So you can get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Cricket Pod, or email us at the um, the Cricket Pod at gmail dot com. And also, please review us on Apple Podcasts because that's apparently what all the ratings are based off. And uh, we we have well, we got to hang up, haven't we? We want to know. We want people to like <laughs> us. Let's let's be honest about it. Um, yeah, that's um, it's it's mainly ego fueled this podcast. So so do do get on there and give us five stars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we will be back after a very short break. Fighting. It's because there's a guy over there that's covered in blood, yep. and I've been told that you've punched him. Because he was just okay. abusing my oh, well, That's all I've been, been told at the moment, so that's why I've rushed your compulsion yeah, at the start, right? The jury believed Stokes' version of events and unanimously found him not guilty of a fray. It's got a throw, he's got to go to the keepers in. He's got it, and you're the 
Stokes. The winner of the 219 BBC Sports Personality or oh, 2000, yes, of the year is Ben Stokes. So we started before that short break with some positivity about about the things we liked in the summer of 2020. So let's get back to some safer ground, the the traditional staple of the cricket podcast. Um, Max, again, you can go first. What was your least favourite um, moment of the summer of 2020? Uh, well, so the thing I've come up with, it's um, it's sort of part of it is based on the context and part of it is based on my personal uh, prediction of what was going to happen in the England West Indies series you asked me at first who I thought the leading wicket taker was going to be and I said um, well with some gusto and with a sort of a bent to try and be a little different I said Shannon Gabriel and in the first test he bowled absolutely beautifully Uh, you know just ran through England's batting sort of set up West Indies for that that win and I was feeling pretty good about myself. And I assume so was Shannon Gabriel. And then he proceeded <laughs> to bowl not one ball to second slip, but several balls to second slip. And it was sort of the the fall from that high of bowling so well to that low of just, well, <laughs> sheer incompetence, I suppose, that um, that I think uh, it, it epitomised how, how sport can go sometimes. And I, I, yes. I felt for him. It was. I think it's always especially brutal when that sort of thing happens to 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 a bowler because it it happens over an extended period of time. If a, if a batsman isn't batting well, they tend not to be batting well for for a short period of time. <laughs> but, um, whereas with a bowler, particularly in a Test match, you've got to come back and do that again and again. And um, yeah, not not fun. Um, Isabel, what what uh, what, did, what did you not enjoy about the summer of twenty twenty? <laughs> <laughs> I feel as though that's a very loaded question. Um, <laughs> I think there was there was actually there was a period, of, well, I think it was a week or a few days in August when um, this is sort of relating to the women's game specifically. When I think India had cancelled their tour, then South Africa had told England they weren't coming over either, and this is when I think England women were already in a biosecure bubble in Derby, and then. So at that point, England women had no international cricket scheduled for the foreseeable future. And then I think the 50-over World Cup, which was due to be played in New Zealand in February, March next year, 2021, also got cancelled. So in a period of about three or four days, women's cricket kind of fell off the face of the earth. And this was at the same time that I think England men had managed to confirm that they were going to have a whole international schedule. And you just suddenly had this sort of contrast. And it kind of, it kind of hit me sort of the, the, the um, imbalance sort of globally between some of the big, big big cricket nations for women, the fact that the ECB had bent over backwards to try and facilitate women's cricket. They had their women in a, in a bubble. Um, and you kind of thought, oh my God, this is, this is a reality of, of where women's sport was and that you know, there was so much more to go. And it just kind of felt pretty hopeless, to be honest. Um, it was quite a dark time, I guess, for women's sport. And there's also, I guess, a lot, you know, a lot of, there wasn't much women's sport around as men's sport was coming back as a sort of big, um, big headlines, big money uh, making 
machines of sport. So it was um, pretty demoralizing. But then then it got better. So that yeah. was all right. It was only fleeting. <laughs> it was sad for a few days. I, I have to say, so we, we, we're doing this review show or, or this review roundup, if you like, uh, based on the questions we, we answered for the 2019 uh, summer review. Um, asking what was your least favourite moment of the summer this year is is um, <laughs> it's a very different question to 2019. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, I I think mine. I, I I think for some people this might this this might be one of their their, their better moments of the summer. But I think the 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 gradual demise of Joe Denley was quite sad to watch. Um, oh, that's in, really sweet. In, in some ways this year. Because uh, I, I like, look, Joe was never, uh, never necessarily the long-term answer, nor was he necessarily um, <laughs> the first name on the team sheet at any point for, for the England, England men's team. But for a while, and I think particularly with some of the games in the Ashes last year, he actually did do a job. Um, and so to see... See his career cut short. I mean, already he 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 began his test career quite late in life, as far as it goes for cricketers. Um, so to see to see that 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 end. Um, but Jack, can you not sad. sort of flip that on its head and say, well, actually, it was the natural ending of something that perhaps he wasn't expecting? Um, um, yes, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, in 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 a while, uh, Joe will look back fondly on his time as a as an England test cricketer. But it probably it can't have been great to go through that in 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 a bubble without any support mm. network and so on. And I think similarly, not seeing Jack Leach on the pitch was 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 something that uh, was a little bit sad this summer. Um, the only the only time we got to see see Jack was was running back and forth with drinks. Um, I, I'm sure he did a lot of net bowling for. <laughs> not, He's had not... a torrid twelve months, hasn't he? He was in hospital with sepsis, sort of getting shoved down the order and spinners and then just not playing oh god i feel sorry for him already um, <laughs> he'll be back yeah it's so fine but we can we can go on to england spinners yeah, and talk about them. <laughs> if england spinners performances this summer anything to go by well, he might be back soon yeah and um, so i think that that was um that was, that was a little bit sad and if i was gonna be really really grumpy about things i think you could also say that the, some of the quality of the cricket wasn't great but that probably had more to do with the circumstances uh, um, what, the men's the international tests they so were quite good I think the the back to back to back to back nature meant that the third West Indies test in particular England were kind of playing half of the West Indies team yeah um, but that's, I, I, that's no, I arguably think, the West think, Indies fault for not rotating their bowling lineup though isn't it well yeah maybe um, anyway let's Run, running Shannon Gable into the <laughs> yeah. ground <I> mean. <laughs> treating him like he's Joffre Archer let's move back to some more positive ground um Isabel, you can start this time. Who, who's your favourite batter of the of the summer? Well, from a very personal perspective, I really, really enjoyed watching Stevie Eskenazi play T20 cricket for Middlesex. Um, actually, I'd almost sort of want to say him in partnership with Max Holden. This is very biased Middlesex, but <laughs> um, but mainly because they're both supposed to be, I guess, red ball cricketers, and this season has really allowed young or cricketers or cricketers that would normally play one format over the other to kind of have a go in a different league, you know, either to have a go in, in first class cricket or to be at the top of the order. Cause not, you know, normally top of the order for Middlesex, you'd have sort of AB de Villiers and Owen Morgan and whoever else is coming across, from across the world to, to be their wonderful international stars. And it, and they were, they were beautiful to watch. I mean, it didn't always come off, but they, they timed the ball well. They had a, a really nice, you know, mo- most of the, T20 class, they had a really good partnership and Middlesex should have done a lot better as a result of their starts each time. 
and it was just it was it was unexpected and that's kind of what I felt as though it sort of encapsulated the season quite nicely was there were some unexpected gifts and I really you know from an aesthetic point of view it was it's quite nice to watch yeah uh, so I'm, I'm aware through the final word podcast that you've you've commentated on quite a few Middlesex games how, how many did you were you were you doing the broadcast for in the end so we did all the home games oh, okay um, so me and Adam Collins, it was, it was quite, a, I think as a result of no fans being around, a lot of the counties really tried to get as many live streams as possible, um, which was both wonderful from a sort of professional sense to have some work, but also I think it was, yeah, it was, it was a good way of, um, I guess, pushing the technology um, that, that hadn't really been used before. Um, so I saw a lot of Middlesex in the end, and that was, yeah, that was were, you, were you commentating on the uh, Middlesex streams themselves or on the sort of local radio? Yes, yes. I don't know how far I can go into this, but there was... Um, um, the Middlesex had obligations to their um, sponsors um, and the BBC could not engage with that. So we literally had... I think the BBC had their radio yeah. stream and then next to the BBC you had your... Um, you had the, the television stream. So I, I, I waved a lot to Kevin Hatt, who's the, <laughs> the BBC London correspondent. The, the great things um, about those streams is how unashamedly biased you can be. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing because my, my whole career has been with BBC is BBC Sports Third Voice. So I am sort of by definition have had to be the, the impartial voice to any proceeding. Whereas when the Middlesex stuff was on, oh my goodness, that went out the window. It was really fun. They just slated Surrey the whole time. I, know, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think Kent, Kent were the worst. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, <laughs> I've actually Kent feature later down in one of my <laughs> my other favourite moments of the summer. Um, Max, for for you, what was your um, who who was your favourite, your star batter of the summer? Uh, so for me, I I thought I um, I went uh, so I went test centric again for this one. Uh, I'll, I'll move away from the tests in a bit, but for now I'm sticking with the tests. And I was I was thinking a sort of a tough call between Zach Crawley just because of that magnificent 200 and was it 267 he hit and um, a lot yeah and uh and joss butler and um i think um i mean undoubtedly you know that was the best innings of the year from crawley but i i just have this sort of leaning towards butler and uh, i'm going to blame dan norcross for that because uh, <laughs> like we spent we spent weeks and weeks asking why joss butler was in the team and why isn't ben folks getting a go you know. Never ask Norcross about Butler. He have, I mean, I think he, he retweets an article I think he wrote about Butler a couple of years ago every other day about why he deserves to be playing every single format for England, which, I mean, there is some merit to that. Um, and Butler, I think, can we say that he answered his critics? Is that the classic thing to say? Yeah, well, I think so. so. I, would... I think that's, and that's, that's why I plump for him, really. I mean, we, Norcross gave, gave us the rundown on, um, on his partisan <laughs> praise for, for Joss Butler. And it it was quite persuasive. I will give him that. I uh, I found myself wavering towards his side, but the fact that then probably must have been what a week after we spoke to him, Joss Butler then went and did that with uh, Chris Wokes, and yeah, it was yeah, it was that week. I was, it was yeah. just that yeah. All right, you can have that one. <laughs> I I went for Butler as well on similar grounds. I I think he delivered the the perfect three act story to the to to the summer if that makes sense so so if you imagine joss butler's summer as a uh a hard-boiled detective no- novel <laughs> in 
in Act One. You've thought about this quite. Hard I had spent a lot of time writing this today. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a slow day. Longer. It was. It was a lot longer than this as well. So <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting the abridged version. In in Act One, we meet Joss Butler. Uh, he is playing cricket against the West Indies, but he's plagued by some issues. Um, it looks like he might be finished. However, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, the top brass trust his unorthodox technique and think he will deliver results in the end. Um, towards the end of Act One, it looks like he, he, he is finished and then he scores some runs in the, in the final test against the, West, uh, against the West Indies and he gets a second chance. Act two, things start to look a little bit better. He, he works on his technique and uh, he, he pulls off that, that incredible win with, with Chris Wokes in the first test against Pakistan. However, the job isn't done. Act three, we finally get to see what he's capable of. He's turned it around. He scores 100. The case of the England test wicketkeeper is solved and the future looks bright. Would you buy that? Agatha, Agatha Christie, <laughs> watch out. I mean, why not? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I've gone with Joss Butler. Um, <laughs> should we move on to best bowler? <laughs> I thought that was beautifully put. Uh, I can't, Mac, I Mac, can't should... wait to see what you've got to follow up with on the bowling front. I, I spent two. I, I, that was it. Uh, that, that's, that was my moment of creativity for the day. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> Who, I mean, in my opinion, so I'm just going to say this straight up. I mean, if you don't think Stuart Broad was the best bowler of the summer, you're you're insane, <laughs> right? Is is there is there a challenger to the the Broad mantle? Not well. I've I've got someone different only because I feel I've already featured Stuart Broad. And I that's mean, exactly what I I've done. Love... But my my Broad features <laughs> later. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. I mean, I just I just like watching him as a cricketer and his responses to everything. Um, but yeah, he was beautiful. The only reason I've got someone different is. Um, I thought I watched all of the women's series. I feel like it's quite it's quite difficult to kind of feature the women in this review of the summer, considering their the England women's summer featured five T Twenties, one mm. of which was a five over slog. Um, but I'm going to put a hand up for Sophie Eccleston, who over the course of the year, I guess, she became the leading T Twenty bowler in women's cricket in the world, and she's 21 and yet is just the senior bowler of England's attack and bowled superbly again against the West Indies. She is the most sort of arrogant but in control bowler you can imagine on a field um, telling her captain Heather Knight what to do and where to go. Um, she was, yeah, she, she's, you know, you talk about these players coming onto the scene and their potential, but she's sort of fully fledged and ready to go and will be the leader of England's bowling attack for the next decade. And it really showed this summer. So I guess... I mean, yeah, in many ways, you could say she's got quite a similar personality to Broad, quite sort of passionate <laughs> in a way. Um, but, but she's, yeah, she, hopefully she'll be there as, around as long as Broad will be. Uh, and Max? Yeah, so this is, this is where my personal bias comes in. And I've mentioned him before, and I'm going to mention him again. Um, Dan Moriarty, Surrey's, uh, Surrey's youngster who came in and started playing, mainly because Surrey didn't have any players, um, played two... <laughs> games in the Bob Willis Trophy and took 17 wickets uh, with three five-wicket hauls, uh, an average of 20, which is pretty good. And that's also for the team that came rock bottom of the Southern group with one win. So extra plaudits for that. Um, and then he went to take on the same number of wickets in the uh, in the blast, bettered only by Jake Ball. So I think um, a real breakthrough season for him. And that was my... Uh, that was my my sort of standout performance of the of the summer that's not Stuart Broad. And... Um, 
I don't know, an honourable, <laughs> maybe an honourable mention as well to Simon Harmer, who took 38 wickets in the Bob Willis Trophy at 16, just to just to give us another reminder that we wish he wasn't South African. Well, if my we... only so... problem with Moriarty, and I feel as though we're already on a detective novel theme, is that I feel as though he should sort of you know pop up in the Sherlock Holmes episode. <laughs> yeah, <again. laughs> I yeah, who done it with cricket? If um, if we're doing a not Stuart Broad award, I'd maybe mention Sarah Glenn as well, who took nine yeah. wickets in the the England women's v West Indies women's well, she's, series. She's like an Eccleston kind of mini me. She just yes. she pops up. She's sort of extremely competent spin bowler, but can also absolutely twat it as well. <laughs> yep. um, with a bat, and they're all blonde in the same build. It, I mean, it's quite difficult to tell them apart sometimes. But if England can keep on producing an equivalent every year, I think they'll be doing quite well, which is what they're doing at the moment. Yeah. A team of leg spinners. Um, well, you mentioned yeah. Jack. You mentioned Jack, didn't you? But before that series that you were looking forward to uh, seeing how Sarah Glenn did, so lived up yeah. to the hype. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you remembered it, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's the that's the best individual bowler and the best uh, individual bat, batter. Um, who is your favourite player of the summer, uh, Max? Um, well, because um, giving these awards is, to Ben Stokes all the time is really boring. I've gone for someone that rhymes instead and chose Chris Wokes because uh, he was sort of um, well, England's second best bowler over the series in terms of uh, wickets and average um, carried that form into the ODIs and then batting wise he had a bit of a Joss Butler renaissance in that he uh, was pretty useless to start with in the in the West Indies series and then inexplicably England decided that they had enough batting and picked an extra bowler and moved Wokes in uh, <laughs> as our, our final batsman and he responded alongside Joss Butler with that uh, memorable performance and and win against Pakistan. So I think he sort of in the um, yeah in in the Joss Butler vein turned it around with the bat and also showed reminded everyone how good he is with the ball in England. Yeah, I mean he had, he did have a good summer. In many ways, the forgotten man. Um, uh, too and, often and I the had, tail. <laughs> I had completely forgotten that. I've gone with Stuart Broad again. Um, and Stuart Broad's my last answer as well, but we'll, we'll get onto that in a second. Uh, I spent all that time on the Butler, on the Butler story, and and, and clearly did not have the bandwidth to 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 answer any of the other questions in detail. Um, Isabel, uh, your your favourite player of the summer? Who who lit up the summer for you? I've gone again a bit left field here, and I'm going to say Dane Vilas because um, I just really enjoyed watching him and the fact that he's still around, um, and he was incredible both a captain in Lancashire, but also throwing himself around the field. Um, he probably, he's, he's, he's certainly one of the veterans these days. He, I think he averaged about 35 or so in the Bob Willis Trophy, nothing um, outstanding. But he kind of was the flag bearer, I felt, of quite a few notable performance by seniors in um, county cricket. I think it was, a, it was a season of two extremes. You had the kind of the senior players coming back in and, and putting in solid performances. Alistair Cook obviously in the final. Darren Stevens is still going to Kent. Um, Tender Scarter, I think, of, of Essex. And then he had all the youngsters coming through as well. But Vilas was kind of, I don't know, he kind of embodied it for me. Um, and again, it was that sort of warm, fuzzy feeling that cricket's still okay if you've got sort of people that shouldn't be throwing themselves <laughs> on field. You know, who you know will be aching for days afterwards still doing it. Um, yeah, it was a very comforting image. I'd be aching with pride, though, no <laughs> doubt. 
Um, yes, yeah. yes, let's go there. So that's yeah. Uh, that, so they're the overall best players, and the last, the last, um, the last reminiscence, I suppose, uh, that that I've got, or the last thing to reminisce on, is, is a favourite controversy of the summer. Um, Isabel, what 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 was your favourite controversy of uh, of of the summer of twenty twenty? This is my favourite category. I love controversies in cricket. I feel as though that's the whole reason. We, we basically we live it. for them. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my my favourite one was um, Mitchell Clayton um, from Sussex. Actually, I, I, I think I was sending him from Kent, but he's he's obviously moved over. But he got banned. For, I think nine matches, which I think is the the highest ever amount of matches for a domestic um, cricketer for ball tampering using hand sanitizer which is you know i feel you know maybe we'll have another covid um season next year but it just it was so beautiful in many ways that this this had happened um and i, I was i was commentating on the match that this this got handed down and you kind of wonder what footage the umpires must have gone through to go and find it so i feel that they would have seen many of me and adam collins commentating on red ball stains and hand sanitizer and joking i'm sure at many points about the idea of um ball tampering using hand sanitizer but for it to happen was, was quite beautiful. <laughs> well i'm glad somebody tried it in a way it would have been <laughs> yeah. a real shame had we been through the whole summer and no professional cricketer my, i think my favorite thing as well is that i think he told the cricket discipline commission that he had done it but the, his, part of his defence was that well, it didn't really do anything. <laughs> kind of lovely, because it's a bit like saying, I don't know, a burglar kind of caught red-handed with a, his hand in the jewellery box and saying, well, it wasn't worth anything anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let me go. Um, Max, what's your favourite controversial moment of the summer? Uh, well, it sounds um, from, from what we've both said, Jack, that it might be similar to yours, uh, which is um, that Stuart Broad kicked up a bit of a stink after getting left out of the England side um, and was vindicated in kicking up a stink at being left out of the England side. Because he, um, you know, he, he had a moan, um, he talked the talk, and then he definitely walked the walk. Uh, and it was just, uh, it was a really, a really nice, yeah. I think we, well, you spoke about it epitomising Stuart Broad earlier and um, it's sort of, it's the it's sort of same answer as, uh, Isabel's favourite moment, but just for a different category, basically. <laughs> See, I want to start a conspiracy theory here because I reckon it's like actually a concerted plan for England to really piss off Stuart Broad, and then hey presto, look what happens. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 well, I enjoyed the interview and I enjoyed his comeback as well. But I, I liked the final act of the saga where he um, tweeted the the Guardian journalist Jonathan Liu oh, who'd written yeah. an article about how England hadn't really learned anything from the summer uh, <laughs> to, to, to have a go at him for writing clickbait articles which I don't think was strictly true because it wasn't a clickbait article I mean clickbait articles are usually like oh, top five ways you can use hand sanitizer to meddle with <laughs> a ball um, it's, um, but, it's, but it doesn't work yeah. um, uh, but whereas Jonathan Lewis actually just pointing out that we started the summer uh, looking forward to the Ashes and, and then by the end of the summer we were just playing the same England team that, that we, we would anyway. Uh, but but yeah, a moment of vintage broad and uh, hopefully we, there's many more to come. Uh, that concludes a brief-ish uh, re- recap of some, some of the good good points of the summer of 2020. Um, Max, you're you're going to be talking about some of the, the finer points, what we might learn from them going forward after this quick break. Isn't that right? Correct. 
Yeah, so uh, as you said, Jack, uh, I think maybe take a so taking a look at the uh, the domestic scene a bit more closely now, and um, we I think it's fair to say that you know despite the the grief that we often uh, give put in the way of um, the ECB and how things are run sometimes, that uh, a pretty good job was done, all in all, in terms of getting uh, cricket going in the um, in the domestic game. We we had the the Bob Willis Trophy, the Red Bull competition uh, which took on a, a new format from the county championship and i think by all accounts was pretty successful uh, they got the blast going uh, albeit without fans but um a lot of it was was streamed and uh, and watchable which was good and there was also the uh, the rachel hayho flint trophy which uh, gave some uh, much needed cricket to the women's domestic game as well um which by all accounts seemed to have been a success too so i think it's one of the one of the things about the domestic game this year is that there are actually quite a few things <laughs> that were put in by necessity just because of the shortened season that actually might be quite good ideas. And um, I thought it might be worth just taking a look at some of those and seeing what we think, whether we think they're uh, worth pursuing for uh, for the game and what the what any the, the pros and cons might be. Um, so the first, I mean, firstly on the Bob Willis Trophy, the what we we liked a lot was the Red Bull final, and I think that's um, having having a showpiece final just gives a little bit more pizzazz, I suppose, to something that can often meander to a bit of an unsatisfactory conclusion. Um, we did still end up with a, a team winning it by drawing the last game, but uh, there was yeah, there was a bit a bit more about it. So I don't know what um, whether you guys had any thoughts on that. I'm quite torn, actually, um, for the Bob Willis trophy, for, for four-day or five-day cricket. I'm not really sure where I stand on a final. I mean, part of me really likes the idea that it's building up to something. And I used to really hate it as a player when, when we, in the Women's County Champ stuff, that we, we wouldn't actually know who'd won unless someone got a calculator out and worked out who'd sort of, you know, had a better run rate or whatever it was. Um, but I've, I guess it, it was interesting to hear Rod Bransgrove, who's the Hampshire chairman, yeah, um, talk about sort of, because he knew that I think these proposals, the, the Bob Willis Trophy format uh, is going to possibly be taken through to next year, possibly beyond this conference-style system with a final. He sort of came out against it and talked about how county championship is, is about that kind of, that, that sort of four-day duration the kind of trying to about stamina about all the ins and out the intricacies and sort of summing it up in one game wasn't really what county championship cricket stood for and how the fact that county championship cricket is always blamed for being wrong or not working and yet it continues to actually produce some very good cricket and obviously some great cricketers in England and was kind of I think his, his words were don't 
bring in knee jerk reforms just because it's worked this season. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because if you if you look around at some of the journalists as well. I mean, George Bell is quite against you know ESPN cricket and the cricket info correspondent, the senior correspondent there is quite against the kind of um, conference format. He likes the jeopardy of the promotion relegation, um, the county championship, and, and again the fact that it's sort of it's a four day game of attrition. Mike Atherton, on the other hand, I think has been quite pro the Bobulis format. So it's interesting because I feel like the final definitely belongs, for example, for the one day games and the T20 games, like 100 percent But I'm not I'm not sure. I don't know whether um four day game needs it and whether we are kind of just extrapolating from a very odd season. But I also really enjoyed the fact there was a final. I mean it was, you know. But, okay, but then again, Sky didn't want it, for example. Sky didn't televise it. So is there, is there actually an appetite for it? Well, how do we know? I would say how there to... probably is an appetite yeah. for it. I think I saw that the online streaming figures were something like a million people streamed it at some point over the, right. over the five days. Um, but what was that compared to other games? I mean, I think the streaming figures across the whole trophy was quite high. I, I, I would assume so. But I think for the other games, probably what you see um, is is uh, a more localised fan base um, tuning in yeah. to watch watch their game. Some of who would have been at the ground had had they had the opportunity to, maybe not loads. And, and obviously people with a, with, a, with a streaming option, you can dip in and out, whereas if you turn up, that's um, that tends to be your day done. <laughs> um, but it looked like there were people who, I mean, I, maybe there are a million fans of, of Somerset and Essex, but, but given the level of popularity uh, of, of cricket in the country, I would be surprised if there are a million people just from Somerset and, and, and Essex that, that were prepared yeah, to tune I mean, in for that. I think it had a broader appeal, and, and, and I think it was a nice way to conclude the season. I think, Max, you yeah, sort of said... Yeah. Uh, that, that sometimes the season peters out in the county championship. And I, I think that is true. And if we look over the last 10 years, um, I think probably there there are a couple of couple of sort of final days that really do stand out. So last year, obviously, Essex and Somerset had that bizarre game where the ball was spinning all over the place. Hmm. And um, and but did it end in a draw as well? So that Essex won or did Essex win? And it was very low scoring. I, I, I mean, Essex won and Somerset nearly won. But... Um, that generated quite a lot of interest, and, and, in, and in, in and of itself was similar to a final. And then maybe three years ago, Middlesex were involved and possibly won, and 20,000 people turned up at Lords yeah. in a similar circumstance where it was first v third or first v second, and, um, and, and, and there was a narrative that led to a conclusion. Now, in a league table, it, it's hard to ensure... Or it's hard to maintain that kind of narrative. However, if you have a final or a semi-final final system, um, you artificially do create that. And then off the back of that as well, it, it doesn't render the group table com- completely pointless or the conference system um, because you have the jeopardy of, of who will and will not make it. Um, I I think the things that maybe should be tweaked to the, uh, is the conference nature of it, um, mm. the number of gains. And I think... There is possibly an argument, though I don't know whether I, I fully subscribe to this. I think there is possibly an argument that it would water down the competition level of of the whole tournament. So, with two divisions, obviously the best team should be in the top division, and 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 the the the, the dregs of professional cricket. <laughs> if we were to be mean, <laughs> or uh, it just sounds like we are. <laughs> 
<laughs> are stuck in Division 2 uh, with Sussex year after year. Um, and and that means that the England selectors or uh, have um, uh, maybe more of an idea of, uh, of who's doing well and, and that run score in the top division maybe mean more than run score in the second division and so on. Um, and if you if you have a conference system, you you maybe lose that. But um, so I think, I think what I'm saying is is final. Yes, conference maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, I think. I really enjoyed this season, um, but it, I think we need to remember that it was very odd circumstances and you can't set, I guess, a blueprint for county cricket from here on in. And I think that's kind of what Brand, Bransgrove was saying. I also think that um, you kind of need to consult a bit more on it. I feel mm-hmm. as if every year we want to try and solve the county championship. And every year something else is proposed that's better. Yeah, well, it wasn't it only last year last where season. the um, it was the the number of teams was was moved, wasn't it? So it was rather than going from nine yeah. to nine, they uh, they um, switched it about, which obviously has been sort of put on hold for now. But, but the one thing I'm really certain of is that we still need to have as many, you know, at least really each team to be playing each other twice. Yeah. Um, and so I I don't want it to get any shorter. Um, so obviously this year, I think it was in 10 games. Um, so yeah, it needs to be 14. Yeah, and obviously this year there was the, the slight issue that one of the teams that won their conference ended up missing out just by, by virtue of how much, uh, yeah. how much time they had to play. <laughs> well, that's what I think. I mean, but you can fix that when you can do it in a yeah. normal year. And I think one of the things I've, I've always liked with the, sort of the final thing is you provide incentive to come first by having one team go straight into the final and then you have a sort of second versus third kind of play yeah. I think that could work quite nicely because um, then you again you sort of there's, there's still an incentive to come first as opposed to yes. one or two if that makes sense yeah I don't know there's a lot I think in a way I mean despite obviously very bad things that come out of COVID it was quite nice opportunity for the ECB to experiment in a way that perhaps they wouldn't have been able to had this not come about. So it is interesting, but I also think it's positive because I think a lot of people realised how how important county championship cricket is or four-day cricket is um, to a lot of supporters um, and a lot of players as well. So Yeah, well, it, it is still <laughs> sort of the bedrock of how most players get into the test team, isn't it? With, you know, Joss mm. Butler aside. Um <laughs> so uh, it's it's definitely important to keep it healthy and I think but it might be worth saying um sort of similar to what uh I guess what what you were saying that expectations were probably a bit lower this year so the success of the Bob Willis trophy might have something to do with with that and if you compared it to what a normal year might be people might suddenly be less enthused by it but I I think it's worth exploring definitely and then um yeah I mean the conference conference system is it, I think it has its merits in in that when you don't have as much in the way of promotion and relegation in in cricket and with the the number of teams available, it's not necessarily as as much of an issue. But and and it might help to balance out the quality as well, as as you say, a player can score a heap of runs in Div Two, and then someone will just turn around and go, "Yeah, it's Div Two. They don't mean anything." So if if there is no Div Two, they might mean a bit more. You might see some more more players come into the fold that otherwise would have been uh, sort of yeah left left out but well I tell you what I'm sure as hell just ha- I'm glad that I don't have to sort of schedule <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the next county championship because uh, 
It sounds pretty tough. Yeah. <laughs> so we've not quite solved that by the sounds of things. Max, what was, what was your second question? Uh, so, so the second one was on the blast. So it's a similar thing to the Bob Willis Trophy, although there's no issue of promotion relegation to consider. Um, three whether th- whether three reasons instead of two is worth pursuing. Um, I sort of was thinking of a of a few pros and cons on that. The first being on on the positive side, currently or up to now in the blast, there's this sort of weird system where you've you don't play everyone home and away. You sort of there are two teams in your group that you only play once, which is if you know if that's a luck of the draw, you could be shafted by that and end up missing <laughs> out on the playoffs by by virtue of of what's happened there and that's it complicates things a little bit um and it's just i don't think it's a you know it's it's not that simple so it's not a great format um and having that sort of three division system could fix that on the other hand you do end up with fewer home games and t20 revenue is quite big for a lot of the counties corporate events and things like the oval on a thursday friday night is packed out with all sorts of uh nonsense going on and i'd imagine the bar revenue is quite high as well so missing out on one of those nights especially in this world where you know revenue is all as, as important as it has been ever has been there's uh that's that's a potential downside are there any um any other aspects to sort of how the blast has been this year that you think could be taken forward i've said i've always said and i definitely said has said on this show that i don't really understand how the blast works so, um, uh, how does sorry? How does make, how does three groups from the point of view of me who maybe wants to dip in occasionally to the blast and understand what's happening? Surely three groups makes that slightly more complicated because three eight, eights and threes are, uh, are not multiples, or three eight is not a multiple of three. Yeah, because with this two groups, at least then I know who might go through. Uh, yeah, so that, that's a, that's a fair point. So you you might simplify one thing by everyone actually playing home and away, but then you complicate the qualification side of things. What what one thing I've always thought with the blast is why why do we have to make it regional? Um, why can't we just pick out sort of whether it be two groups or three groups and pick it out of a hat? Because it is you, you know you, if travel restrictions, you know, in, in a normal world you will be able to travel, and I and and I think you do kind of reset each season and you get stuck in this thing where quite often the, the best teams just don't ever really play each other. Um, and do we have to be like that? Or am I just sort of... Well, so we have like, uh, we, ha- we have uh, the, the equivalent of the FA Cup third round draw day where... Um, Absolutely. <laughs> where, I don't know, who could we get? Uh, David Gower. He's always free these days, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he can... He can uh, he can come and draw the balls on the one show. <laughs> uh, that that was maybe slightly harsh on David, but I'm sure he'll forgive us. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think the the schedule might be the only stumbling block that I would see to that. Yeah, I mean, you do. You know, you do get yeah. two games in three days happening and going up to Lancashire and and back down to. Yeah, I'm just fantasizing Hove. with a schedule. 
what four four day cricket you, 100 you'd, you'd probably twenty you'd probably find Royal London we didn't, we didn't even have the Royal London yeah. this year we've got to squeeze that in next year as well <laughs> you'd probably find that people would be upset if uh, Yorkshire and Lancashire didn't get to play each other twice a year and similarly right, for Sussex then... and Middlesex uh, sorry Middlesex sorry but I feel as that is kind of fabricated in T Twenty cricket. This whole derby thing. Oh, hundred um, percent. I'm I'm almost sure it is. But it does it does guarantee yeah. both sides in that and and in the Surrey Middlesex game uh, are sold out. Yeah, but I don't know how much that actually. I mean, if we're talking about T Twenty cricket as being a more ca- more attractive to the casual fan, how many really sort of going to buy tickets because it's a derby? Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, oh, well, I think I it's think enough it's to sell it out. Which, which I don't right, think they I do always, for every game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing to say with the T20 cricket and the 100 is that they are trying to go more towards a kind of family-friendly sort of um, target audience. So I guess less reliant on the kind of Thursday, Friday evening bar tabs in the city, in the city um, clubs like Surrey, like, like Middlesex perhaps. And so, yeah, the, the way in which you attract fans is kind of changing. And that's where I feel like the Derby incentive kind of lessons um, maybe yeah but again i'm kind of speculating in theory here it, it a lot of it is about trying to fit things in as well max as the as the the, the podcast resident um t20 blast super fan <laughs> uh what what do you what would your ideal format for for the tournament be um everyone in one group playing each other four times <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's one way to do it. I mean, we are just talking about theory, yeah. aren't we? Well, I, I think it. I think it sort of works how it is at the moment. I just, I just don't see why. I mean, they squeeze so much cricket in now, anyway. I don't see why they shouldn't just do an extra couple of games and have everyone play everyone twice. That's 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 my main hang up. I think. Do you think they should get rid of the one day cup then? Maybe. Well, they sort of. They're they're working it? their way towards yeah. it, aren't they? By making yeah. it. Uh, the the kids and twos development yeah. development game yeah. um, could that not just be a knockout year. tournament that runs through the, the 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 year or is that too difficult to schedule as well because presumably it's easier to to if you if half the counties are gone after the first round maybe is that nonsense you look at your well, maybe people what? who are, people who are listening to the podcast can't look can't see the the expressions here but nonplussed I, I think the... <laughs> well no jack i'm thinking i'm thinking that maybe the uh, you mentioned the fa cup why don't we make maybe the... we get david gower out again yeah um... well why don't we make it the make it the fa cup of cricket and if we're playing if we've got development sides perhaps that's a bit of a level and we can get some yeah. um you know div 1 regional teams involved get some of the top oh, clubs yeah. in in a, a preliminary preliminary qualifying round that starts in february <laughs> and um one by one work our way to um yeah we froster froster cc playing froster CC. The middlesex reserves in the final <laughs> well now that they've realized that we can actually play cricket into october you can't do that <laughs> it's, it's mental it's gonna yeah. sort of start in march you, in you can if you've got four backup days yeah. <laughs> uh, Max, and what was your final, your, your third point there? Uh, so the final one was, um, uh, I suppose, more of um, more of looking into something that's already been decided. So with the uh, the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy, we had this year the the fifty over competition uh, in the domestic women's game. And what do we think that that's a, a good sign for the the revamped women's system? So obviously, um, the the plan was. Uh, to, change from from how it's been before with uh, the um the the women's county championship and moving into a 
the regional hubs playing each other in the 50 over game alongside the 100. So do we think that the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy has provided a, a good solid blueprint for that and whether it's going to be a success? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a long time coming because the Kia Super League, which is kind of the, the precursor, I guess, to the 100 and the, this revamp of domestic cricket, um, originally, so it was, it was a T20 tournament for, what, four, five years in the end? It was supposed to be a T20 and a 50-over format, um, and the 50-over didn't really ever happen. But women's cricket, I mean, you, you talk about the sort of the issues of trying to detangle men's county championship cricket. I think women's cricket had sort of four or five divisions sort of... Yeah, well, there were 35 teams or something. There were, I mean, there, was, there were counties that I don't think I've heard of um, <laughs> that were playing at one point. And it was just, it was just sort of quite convoluted. Um, and, and the gap between international cricket and domestic cricket, which at that point was just county cricket, was just growing. Then the Kia Super League came in to kind of bridge that gap, the T20 at least, and you can argue now the hundreds doing that um, in some way. Uh, but for, for anything longer, it needed something. And, and I think that Rachel, the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy kind of showed that there is quality domestic cricket. It does need to be a little bit more condensed. Um, but at least it, it gives, I guess, some hope and some money <laughs> to, to anybody who's not in that sort of hallowed, what was it, 21-22 England squad. Um, that they are getting some form of reimbursement and there's some good cricket. I mean... Um, George Adams, her, her, I think she scored five. I think she scored a neat five hundred runs across the eight matches. She was, I mean, she looks a million dollars. Um, she is a very good player, and yet she has never worn an England shirt and might well never do that. Um, and it just was a demonstration, I guess, of of what lies beneath, and um, it's much needed. Um, it might also, I mean, quite often you, f- you get the feeling that it might serve as a blueprint to kind of amends revamp at some point as well so they've got eight regional hubs mm. uh, that's definitely been talked about in men's cricket so i wonder i wonder if one day in five years time we'll be talking about the regional men's cricket hubs you know it's possible yeah um, i i think it's a good thing um well, a couple of weeks ago ross was talking about the uh the the england v west indies series and um i i think at that point australia australia were just about to start their series against new zealand um, and Ross was sort of saying there's, there seemed to be quite a big gap between England and the West Indies, and there seems to be quite a big gap between the now record-breaking, I think, um, Australia Australian. women's team yeah. and everyone else. I mean, we were talking about potential solutions to that, one of which is is uh, having more professional international teams. So Ross, Ross was uh, basically asked the question, like, what would bridge the gap between the chasing pack and Australia? And I think the two things we sort of came up with potentially were more professional women's teams in international cricket to begin with um but also better domestic calendars that had um more high quality matches and i think we actually ended up sort of saying that the the, the, the women's hundred could could potentially fit into that but but on top of that i think yeah like the, the rachel hayhoe flint trophy um probably is another piece in in that domestic puzzle for basically all the reasons that, that you you just listed uh 
Isabella. And I, and I think if England are to aspire to, to beating Australia, one, I think having lots of leg spinners is good because Australia seemed to struggle <laughs> with that a little bit at the T20 World Cup. But also having um, a, a creditable proving ground at, at, at domestic level uh, and maybe one that can sustain professional cricket in its own right at some point in the future. Or, or one that should really sustain professional cricket in its own yeah. right at some point in the future. Um, it, it is another piece of that puzzle. Um, so I, I, I give it the thumbs up. Yeah, I listened to you guys actually on that one. It was, it was, it was a really interesting discussion because I think England, the ECB are, are really kind of stuck, a bit like Cricket Australia in a way, in that you feel as though both of these countries are absolutely on the right path in terms of their, um, their cultural outlook, their investment as well. Um, but then you kind of think, well, unless they keep on playing each other sort of in one big cycle all the time, they have to start thinking about, well, what's the competition going to be like? Um, you know, is it going to beat Western Indies 5 nil all the time? You, you do kind of have to then look, yeah, you have to kind of go a bit insular and, and create competition within your own country. Um, and so I think that's, yeah, that's hugely important. Um, and it might go the way a bit like football, where club, club or domestic cricket becomes the kind of really high quality stuff. Um, I don't know. I mean, it is. I think it's definitely a concern. For, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's not really the ECB in a way that shouldn't be. They should be worrying about their cricket and about making their cricket as good as possible, and that's what they're doing. They're on the right track. But then you kind of add in this sort of well, it's not good for our players if they're constantly not playing brilliant cricket, which mm. is kind of anyone other than Australia. Yeah. Um, so I think that that is kind of the next big issue in women's cricket is 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 trying to level the playing field. Yes. Um, I think maybe at some point that will be solved, and I think I said that maybe on that show as, uh, as well. If Australia consistently beat India and Pakistan and and New Zealand, yes, that then, was the point. Yes. Then yes. they will have to respond. It's not. It, it just really is embarrassing. Well, this, <laughs> this, 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 I think it, one thing that I think a lot of um, I guess feminists is that the word or supporters of women's sport or its progression kind of have to get our heads around is that uh, quite often I think the right thing will be done but for the wrong reasons quite possibly and I think this is probably <laughs> the one thing is that you know I, 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 I hate to say it but I don't think Indian women's cricket is going to flourish because the BCCI um, truly believe in women's sport and emancipation etc and women's rights you know at the end of the day all they want is sort of um, short-term financial gains but if they get as you say embarrassed into being thrashed by australia <laughs> or um or not being up there on the sort of podium of world cricket that that might spur them into action um, and the other thing i've always thought is that when people realize that they've got 50 percent of the population who can invest they can sort of invest in women's cricket you know you've got you've got a really good long-term financial plan um in terms of the number of people playing watching consuming cricket it's a horrible word um it, it it can it should be and will be financially lucrative it's just that people aren't seeing those short-term gains yet so yeah, yes yeah, I, think I think women's cricket the right thing will be done for the wrong reasons but we have to be okay with that yeah, yeah. it's better than um, nothing so that, being done <laughs> max does that roughly sum up um the the the, the 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 three points that you you had addressed there is there anything else we need to do before we move onwards i'd say it sums it up beautifully jack <laughs> okay, I, the the one other thing maybe we should mention from um, an England perspective is that tomorrow we are expecting the men's team to be given the go-ahead to tour South Africa. Um, 
that isn't confirmed. And obviously, South Africa has its own issues as a nation uh, at the moment with with the, with the COVID pandemic. But it does appear it can't be any worse than ours, can they? I think they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so England should be should be heading over there at some point. I will we'll pick that up um, at a later show. Um, for now, though, we'll take a break and then we will come back with the Indian Premier League. We love hearing from our listeners, so please follow us at The Cricket Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you have a great story like Scotty G did about the Hayden Way, Matthew Hayden's personal website, we want to hear about it. So from wherever you're from, send us in a great story and we'll read out on the show. Email us on thecricketpod at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Before we get on to uh, talking about the IPL and um, on the on the theme of India, and also having already quizzed uh, Isabel about uh, women's cricket, as we had wanted to. Um, the other big thing to talk about is um, your work with the charity Street Child United as an ambassador. And obviously, this um, we'll go on to talk a bit about the cricket World Cup, the Street Child Cricket World Cup as well, which um, uh, will be taking place in India in uh, in a few years' time. Uh, but before we get onto that, can you just tell us a bit about the the charity itself and um, how and why you got involved? Yeah, it's, I guess it's an English-based charity that that started. It, it, it sets out to kind of use the power of sport to progress good causes, and it was, I think, um, its its main cause is sort of empowering um, street children from around the world to have a voice to to get uh, things like passports recognition be able to kind of start a life having been um, not given a particularly good hand to start with. And they started off with um, football World Cups. So I think um, before all of the FIFA, the men's World Cups around the world, they would have a, their own street child sort of, um, tournament. And I think um, their CEO must have been in India or Pakistan at some point when someone said, well, why don't you harness cricket, the power of cricket and, and do a, a street child cricket world cup so we had our, our first one last year in the uk um just before the men's cricket world cup and it was a huge success it was won by south india we had two teams from india in the end um one from a charity called the magic bus foundation outside mumbai and it was it was incredible to see these like hugely articulate kids from um really deprived difficult backgrounds um and and that all the teams were the thing that I I really like about the charity is is and about cricket really is that it's the one sport that has the power I guess to bring boys and girls onto an equal playing field especially around the ages of these kids they're sort of young teenagers you can play mixed teams you don't have to wear you know you can play in a dress for example you can you don't have to wear um, clothes that might be difficult to fit in culturally etc it's, it's a really it's a wonderful platform cricket is to kind of spread a, a message of, of a gender quality and b i guess empowerment for these these kids and it's coming to india um so surav ganguly is one of the, the ambassadors as well um and it's coming to india before the the next men's icc world cup and if you know if it's as successful as it, the one in the uk last year in getting that, their message across and and trying to um, empower these young kids, then it should um, should be enormously successful. So, lots to look forward to in India in the coming years, 
as long as we get rid of this bloody <laughs> Well, ho- hopefully by 2023 we'll be in a. <laughs> It'll be either either COVID will be gone or there'll be another one. But that's oh, <laughs> fingers, <laughs> fingers crossed. Thanks, that Max. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'll be worse. <laughs> Ever the doomsayer. So, are you expecting yeah. a, a few more teams from India this time round? Then. Well, there were two from India. Um, I think I think that Pakistan didn't wasn't able to to send a, a mixed team to the the one in England last year. But hopefully they'll be able to. But we had some you know, Bangladesh were there. Um, I think we had a team from Mauritius as well. Um, um, England are obviously playing. So I think, yeah, it's meant, hopefully expand it to more teams coming over, um, which would be wonderful. Is there, if, if there are any, um, any hot prospects that you've you found from, uh, <laughs> from the, the competitions? I, I, mean, I just, I don't know. I would, I I would expect England's that there must be at least one kid in there who's yeah. actually just brilliant. <laughs> there were some oh my god there were some guys and girls actually that really smashed the ball <laughs> i went and had a go and played on that on i think there was sort of um ambassadors had a game <laughs> it's one of those things where you think it's really easy <laughs> and actually it's really really hard um you're playing with a tape ball and it was going to all parts so there i think the england's captain um had a trial with yorkshire um so they, i mean it's definitely they're quite young um but i think there's some talent there certainly Amazing. So, um, I mean, that's that's uh, so that's taking place in India in 2023, uh, just before the the men's women's World Cup. Is, I mean, is there anything um, anything people can do to uh, to support that themselves or or, or help out? And also, um, just anywhere that um, people can uh, find out more about it and um, and get involved. Yes, yeah, so streetchildunited.org is, is their website. I mean, donations always help. Um, it basically, they connect a lot of charities on the ground that are already giving hands-on um, support to uh, kids that are either on the streets or at risk of being on the streets, um, helping them with education, with shelter, with food. Um, so, yes, donations are always welcome. Streetchildunited.org is the, is the website. And, yeah, it's using the power of cricket to, I guess... Um, bring uh, attention to their plight but also to to create them into young leaders as well great so um that that sounds fantastic and uh, we do urge all of our listeners to head over there and um and help out um, are we ready to move on to the ipl yes let's let's stay in india and, and rewind three years <laughs> three, 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 <laughs> yeah, okay yeah so we're in 2023 yeah um Rewind to. Uh, I'm not going to get into too much detail. Uh, you know how you know how confused we get when we start talking about time zones and things. That's time it. zones, we, yeah. Time zones. We, that's a topic we don't cover on this podcast. So imagine, imagine time travel. <laughs> um, last Friday, uh, the Delhi Capitals they took on the Rajasthan Royals, and the Delhi Capitals they they ran out comfortable winners by 46 runs, as Ross and I predicted. Um, Hetmeyer and Stoinis did a lot of damage with the bat and Rabada added another three wickets to extend his lead in the race for the purple cap. Both teams also played later in the weekend, so we'll maybe go into a little bit de- more detail on them in a second. But briefly, Max, um, just how good is Rabada this year? Uh, well, he's he's pretty good, isn't he? I mean, he was quite good last year <laughs> and, uh, and, and now he's even better, I think. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I yeah, don't have um, much more I can offer on that. <laughs> no, that is, <laughs> he speaks for himself. Um, yeah, he uh, he took a really good catch as well. Uh, he he really seems 
to 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 to, to have found another level, and he was already operating at quite a, a high level. Um, interestingly, this was this was also the most normal cricket match we've had at Sharjah so far, in that in that both teams didn't score a billion runs. Um, maybe the technique is just to have Rabada if you want if you want to win there. Uh, what about that plan? Well, I think that's quite a good plan for any ground, isn't it? Well, I guess yeah. <laughs> just have Rabada. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I'll briefly mention. Do you, do you think the grounds are slowing up? I feel like we've seen some ridiculous scores, especially at Sharjah. But as we get, what are we? We're almost at the halfway point of the IPL. Yeah. I wonder if things are just starting to slow down a bit. I think for that game, it wasn't so much a problem. Today's game, I don't know if anyone saw it, but the the pitch basically had a reflective sheen across the top of it. <laughs> like you, it was, you could see, you could basically. I mean, I'm not joking. You could see a reflection of the batsman. From when they had the, the the higher camera angles with the with the floodlights, um, and and that really wasn't a great cricket service. Although although De Villiers did score eighteen thirty balls, so it, similarly. Um, Can we also yeah. just point out that Rabad is yet to be dismissed in the IPL? Is he? This, this tournament, I think. He's, yeah, he's got a nice little notch of. <laughs> well, he needs to get him, needs to get himself out soon, doesn't he? He won't get an average. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quite. It was good as well to see Ravi Ashwin uh, bowling well after after his shoulder injury. He took two for twenty two. Um, I've got to the bottom of the, the the the. Did you see last week? He had he, he wears nine nine nine. I can't remember why he wears nine nine nine. Tape so we'll, over the we'll last one. Yeah, so he taped yeah. over the last one. Do you know why he does that? Or did that? Was it to make it one nine nine? I don't know. No, Amit Mishra, who plays for the Delhi Capitals, broke his finger in the game before and was ruled out for the tournament. So it was Ashwin's tribute to, to Mishra. He taped over the extra nine. I don't even understand how that works, but great. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Um, how's really how's he allowed three digits anyway? I don't know. So someone's got. Well, Gale's had like six, 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 hasn't he? For eight. Six, I think it's three, three, three. His, his, three, three, his three, top three, test I mean... score. Um, it I, does seem ridiculous. I wonder if somebody at some point is going to ask for a thousand number. <laughs> um, well, JP Dumini used to have plus five zero, didn't he, for for South Africa? Because you can't you can't you can't have fifty in South Africa because that was Hansi Cronier's number. And oh, it's why now, don't they just have one to eleven I, and be done with it? Well, it's a good question. Keepers get one, and then <laughs> left back what, like, gets three. Football squad you know, numbers. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking a sort of your strike ball against number nine, and yeah. that's, that's... <laughs> uh, that was Delhi. There wasn't really much to say about that game. It was a bit, a bit of a formality. Um, we'll move on to uh, Saturday morning game. Um, Kings Eleven Punjab took on Kolkata Knight Riders in in that uh, in that game, um, and it was another incredible. An incredible defeat um, for for Kings Eleven. Um, <laughs> so first of all, they bowled pretty well to restrict KKR to just 164, uh, and then they started their innings with a with a, a 100 run opening partnership. So you think sort of 11 overs into the second innings, this is going pretty well from a Kings Eleven point of view. Um, but with victory basically in their grasp, they um, they panicked. Um, Sometimes in cricket, I think you can only tell the story with numbers. I, there's maybe a little bit of an over-reliance on, on numbers, and sometimes they can obfuscate slightly. But on this ca- in this case, I, I think the numbers really do express the disintegration best. So they needed 21 of 16 balls, 20 of 12 balls, and then 7 of 1 ball, um, which wasn't great. Uh, the last ball of the innings, though, there, there, was, there was more drama. So Glenn Maxwell... 
I don't know if either of you saw this, but he hit a four, which was about half an inch away from being a six that took it to a super over. Uh, all the players were sort of, so it bounced. It was one of those fours that it, it bounces and it hits up and it, it bounces up and it hits the rope and comes back into play. So nobody was really sure if it was a six or a four. They're all standing around. Uh, eventually, they 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 determined that it was it was an inch short and and um, and that the Kings Eleven had lost. Uh, my question to you, um, Max, again is uh, will will the Kings Eleven Punjab ever win a cricket match again? Well, they must be playing CSK soon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and Max was Max was got to fire at some point, hasn't he? We are, you know, you talk about his—he was got ten not out in that match, but he's he's hadn't had the greatest of tournaments. I mean, you think of his innings against England in that final ODI mm. um, earlier this summer. You feel as though you know he's he's like a wound, wound up Jack in the Box. It's going it's going to happen. And, just a matter of and when. If he hits, if he hits his uh, hits his stride at Sharjah as well, it could be we could be yeah. looking at records. <laughs> I think part of their problem is that their two opening batsmen don't get out, but they don't also don't score very many runs. I mean, yeah. They do score; so they're, 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 they score plenty of runs, but not quickly. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that that kind of limits the, the 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 maxi time, the big show, if you like, because he never he never really gets it. when he get when he does get to the wicket. Um, they've taken too long and used up too yeah. many balls, so he has to go immediately. Um, That's one of the worst things for a cricket team, isn't it? Because you can't, you can't kind of a force someone to get out, but also if you're scoring runs, it, you know, it's quite difficult to kind of unpick that. I mean, KL Rahul is also the captain, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, run him out like the, at your the peril. triple lock on that place. Um, yeah, uh, I feel I feel really sorry for Kings Eleven, um, but you know, we expected it. Yeah, we did expect it. They, uh, they I, sort of I, pretended to show us up for a few weeks. Yeah, I I think that basically they are they, that makes them the first team to be eliminated. Um, as I understand it, Mumbai Indians have made the playoffs from this position before, um, but that involved some crazy net run rate hijinks, um, which I don't think is within the uh, the skill set of this Kings Eleven side. So um, we won't be waving farewell. We've got seven more fun games of Kings Eleven Punjab <laughs> to look forward to, but it does appear that they are out. Uh, which brings us on to Royal Challengers Bangalore v Chennai Super Kings Max. Uh, yeah. So um, as ever with these games involving Royal Challengers Bangalore, the question is: Which Royal Challengers Bangalore is going to turn up? <laughs> you roll the iron dice. Um, <laughs> On this case, in the, well, on this occasion, it didn't it didn't really matter too much which Royal Challengers Bangalore <laughs> side turned up, um, because Kohli turned up, and that was enough, really, wasn't it? Um, that 169 for RCB posted. It's a it's a decent score, but it's yeah, it's not um, it's not mind blowing. But um, CSK sort of. Well, I mean, CSK Watson scored 14 off 18 and Duplessis scored 8 off 10, which isn't a great start. And um, yeah, they were just sort of left with, with too much to do, really. I mean, they, they looked like possibly mounting a bit of a, a, bit of a go at it and, um, with uh, Rodu and Jagadizan, who um, put together a, a good partnership. But after, yeah, after that, it was a bit of a, a meek... <laughs> A, a meek defeat. Sam Curran going first ball, 
not not making things happen there. And oh um, and uh, got hit, Chris... hit around quite badly as well, didn't he, Sam? Yeah. yeah. Well, that was it, wasn't it? it was uh, their bowling kind of let them down? I mean, you, you, did their bowling let them down, or did Virat Kohli just go absolutely mental? Um, bit of both, to be honest. But it just, I mean, Jadeja only bowled two overs and only went for seven runs. But when your bowlers bowling four overs, going for twelve runs per over, it's just like it's well, questionable, isn't they, it? They've got, they've got that. They've got that yeah. wrong. Um, so. Yeah, I feel as though I kind of feel as though there's a captaincy issue. Well, Char- Chahar um, as well. Am I allowed to say MS Dhoni? I mean... Isabel, are you taking shots at MS Dhoni? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> uh, I feel as though this is very dangerous territory, no, but it just I... did seem quite weird that, yeah, you, you're bowling four overs for your most expensive bowlers, and then actually the ones that, that you know, Chahar, yep. Jadeja. Why were they not bowling more? Yeah, I, I tell you what, I have so enjoyed CSK being bad this year, and hopefully we'll we'll get to talk about it a few more times. In, it's the opposite of Kings Eleven. So Kings Eleven Punjab being bad. That's like watching a puppy being kicked. There, you kind of just feel sorry. Yeah, exactly. They've got some guys on those, that team. So like people like Sheldon Cottrell. They like Chris Jordan. KL Rahul seems like a nice guy. Yeah, you don't, yeah. You don't really want to see them lose. CS- CSK, CSK, Leeds went down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like MS Dhoni's he's done everything, hasn't he? If he loses, it's not the end of the world. I mean, Shane Watson similarly. It's yeah, quite. no one really it's minds one. Shane Watson. And look, a faff, faff's there as well. Yeah. I mean, oh come on, um, yeah, that's all right. Um, I I think it's a mark of how far they've fallen as well that that teams now choose to bat first against them. That used to be like their calling card was the the, the Dhoni orchestrated chase. And now teams yeah. bat first, score sort of a, a reasonably average 160-odd and um, put their feet up. Um, it was also interesting after the game, Dhoni and Stephen Fleming both mentioned that they, they think there is a problem, which is the first time they've admitted it. Um, there's probably not enough time for them to address it. but um, <laughs> Maybe next yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. Um, which which is um, which isn't that far away to be fair. No, it isn't. Yeah. in March, yeah. <laughs> oh, back to back, back-to-back IPLs. <laughs> God, was, um, that's a lot of IPL. Uh, the the Sunday morning game, uh, if we if we if we're ready to move on, was uh, Sunrisers Hyderabad against Rajasthan Royals. Um, so SRH they batted first and set a not particularly daunting 158 for four. Again, they did that thing where they keep a lot of wickets in hand and they don't really go anywhere with them, um, which uh, uh, is a questionable tactic, I think, if you consult the analysts. Um, Rajasthan Royals, they couldn't really start anything any worse. They were 26 for three and um, Smith, Butler and Stokes were the three guys who were out. But um, as we have learned in the tournament already, you cannot write off Rahul Tawatia. Um, he came in when the Royals were 78 for five um, and he walked off after Parag hit a six to win the game, both of them making pretty quick 40 yards. Uh, the big talking point, though, I, I think from this game, despite it being one off the last ball, was that um, after hitting the six to win, 19-year-old Prague, who's just played the biggest innings of his life, um, did a little dance to celebrate. Uh, did you see how David Warner responded? Didn't he have a go at the umpires or go off and have a go at Prague? He, he, he definitely wasn't happy, He was chased he? down Prague and then did one of those handshakes where you're actually just shouting. Uh, basically a yeah. child. Um, <laughs> you're telling me David Warner wasn't magnanimous in defeat? Um, it wasn't a particularly good look with his moustache and shouting in his face like for for many reasons well, um, at least with the bubble they're not allowed to go to walkabout afterwards 
Um, yeah, that leaves SRH in a little bit of a precarious situation. Um, the Royals, though, uh, it was it was good to see them bounce back, even if it if it wasn't um, the return of Ben Stokes, which which triggered that. Um, Stokes is back. Do do we think he will make a difference? Well, I mean, he has the potential to make a difference in any match he plays in, doesn't he? Um, and he's only had one sort of go at it. Well, did he chop onto his stumps, didn't he? He he did. Um, yeah, he went down the pitch and hit maybe his first ball for four, which was uh, classic Stokesy. <laughs> I mean, then, to be fair uh, to the guy, didn't he? He went to New Zealand and had to isolate for however long it was there. Then it was the time with family and had to come over here and had to isolate in I'm, UAE. Yeah, you kind of feel that like he might be a little bit rusty. I'm not even sure he'd had a net. Forgiven. I think he just turned up. <laughs> yeah. and that was, uh, there was um, the final point I've got on, on this game, and then then we'll we'll move on to really the big game of the weekend. I think uh, it was Tuatia forty five. That sounds a bit like a good cocktail. Um, <laughs> what would go in it? Oh, I don't know. So you've got a French seventy five, haven't you? Yeah. Which is uh, like a, a champagne cocktail with gin and sh- and sugar syrup. Um, um, lethal. I yeah. I reckon. Whiskey, because I think Tawachi is a uh, like he he he's need quite a full frontal some... cricketer. I think you need something that will give a late kick. Okay. Yes, maybe something that's smooth to begin with, but with a with a punch. Yeah, um, right, as right it goes when you're not down. expecting it. Absinthe. How about that? Oh, yes. <laughs> a champagne absinthe cocktail. We'll work on it. That can be the Christmas cocktail for for the Christmas special. Yeah, it was it was French seventy fives last year. Um... <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, after, after that minor side note, uh, Delhi Capitals <laughs> v Mumbai Indians, Max. Yeah, so this was, well, big billing, top of the table clash uh, that we highlighted earlier in the week and were pretty excited by. And um, it was it was a, it was a good game. I, I don't think it was, um, I wouldn't say it was spectacular, but uh, there were a few quite key moments, I think, which sort of um, determined the uh, the path of victory in the end. Uh, so, I mean, back to back to the beginning. Uh, Shikhar Dawan uh, had a, a pretty important innings for for the Capitals, supported ably by his captain Shreyas Iyer, um, and they set um, a reasonable total again of yeah 162. I think mid mid 160 seems to be quite a, a common thing at the moment <laughs> if you're not at Sharjah, and um, and uh, Quinton de Kock got Mumbai Indians off to a, a pretty strong start alongside um, Surya Kumar Yadav. And set them up well. Uh, I mean, you were looking at at them halfway through their innings, thinking that they've got this in the bag. I think they were looking at they needed about a run a ball off the last five overs, and then um, there was a bit of a wobble. Uh, and they went from sort of needing less than one a ball to needing seven off the last over, which was uh, a bit curious. But Stoinis, I would still file that under gettable. Oh, very very gettable. Yeah. But you were thinking yeah. that they would be walking home with at least an over to spare, and um, and you know not be on the realms of of a, of a late twist. But in the end, um, Marcus Stoinis's first ball of that last over went for four, and um, Ishan Kishan's late hitting saw Mumbai Indians home to cement their place at the top of the IPL and looking very very much like the team to beat. But I mentioned a couple of key moments that could have decided the way the game went. Stoinis ran himself out for Delhi Capitals after a classic misfield. Um, that he was saw weird. The, he, he saw the guy from, misfield yeah. and just haired it down from the non-striker's <laughs> end. And uh, in, in the meantime, whoever was, was back was just wasn't just, interested. Just, <laughs> was just standing there like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> 
It was Yadav, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. It, it definitely wasn't. Sorry, I was yeah. cool, it wasn't yeah. Stoinis's call either. He was not running to the danger end, so uh, it was it was questionable from him, and um, and sort of de- derailed the innings in in the middle really, where you would be hoping where for Stoinis and some fireworks, and then sort of the opposite in um, in the Mumbai Indians innings, uh, Ishan Kishan early on in his innings should have been run out, but the throw went to the the very much the wrong end where the uh, the batsman was standing and not moving and Ishan Kishan had time to basically run two. Yeah. <laughs> and it was my um... overwhelming feeling of this match though was that it was the first sort of sensible match that we've seen in the IPL where you kind of just everything plays out ultimately as you expect it will do. Yeah. Whereas I think most of the matches we've seen so far have been like ridiculous sort of either really one sided or ridiculous comebacks. Whereas this one you know, it went down to the final over, was it two balls yeah. left? The stronger team won, the one in which, you know, you got two fifties in the top five. Everything it, it felt like normality had resumed. I, which I, is yeah. quite rare. I think that might partly be because these are the two most well constructed teams. Yeah. So I think yeah. the, the players on both teams kind of know what they're supposed to be doing. So you don't end up with bizarre situations where a non death bowler has to bowl at the death or uh, there's there's batsmen who are sort of ponderously going nowhere, and uh, and, and you've got your big hitter waiting to come in. Um, most of the time, the thing you expect someone to be trying to do, as a, as a, as an observer, the the player is also trying to do. And I think probably what we saw was that yeah, as you said, the slightly more talented team on the night, or the slightly better performing team on the night, pulled it off. Um, I still think these will be the top two teams for the the, the final playoff, yeah. and then and then possibly the final as well. Uh, is there anything Delhi Capitals can learn to overcome the the Mumbai Indians? I mean, obviously, don't run out your big hitter, and, and, and similarly run out the other teams. <laughs> or don't big run hitter. out yourself. <laughs> yeah. um, possibly take a few more risks against Krunal Pandya if he's going to bowl four overs again. Uh, although I was looking through the Mumbai Indians bowling lineup, and it's that's pretty good. <laughs> mm. It's I um, think, yeah, I think going after Pattinson is definitely the right play. He's definitely the one that you can um, get after the most. I think they played Bumrah pretty well to not lose a wicket and sort of keep it ticking without actually. Because I mean, you you you're not going to score eight, ten, and over off Bumrah because he's just too good. He will just come back and just bowl you six Yorkers. It's it's not going to happen. So I think they dealt with that quite well, and um, and Karen Pollard as well. I mean he's I mean he's not he's not threatening, is he as a as a bowler? So no, he's a trundler. Yeah, days. when they when they bring him on to try and sneak an over, you need to take that out of the equation. So I think I think they played it quite well, uh, apart from Stoinis. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just want to note as well because Ross would be sad if we didn't that, that Rostradamus struck again. He. Um, he predicted that Alex Carey wouldn't play a single game for Delhi Capitals. <laughs> the very next opportunity they had. Uh, they, they, they did play him in place of Hetmeyer, which I thought was interesting. Um, Max, I don't know if you... Was he injured or something, Hetmeyer? Because he scored runs in the game before. Um, I, I don't actually know about that one. I'm sure. Okay. Well, he, Hetmeyer wasn't playing, which, which might be something that, uh, that, that would tip the balance slightly, uh, particularly nearer the end. I mean, mm. Hetmeyer does have the ability to take a game away, How, whereas um, I'd probably venture Alex Carey doesn't. No, I mean, he, uh, he, play, he played well alongside oh, Maxwell, pretty... didn't he, in that, in that England game? Uh, yeah, and he had a pretty awesome World Cup last year. I mean, I feel as though he could, he just hasn't really had... So I, it's not that I don't yeah. think Alex Carey is a good T20 batter per se. I, I just think in that 
um, Delhi Capitals team, the top four, the, the the top four Indian players, are probably as good or better than than Alex Carey. So there's no reason to bat him in the top four, which means the earliest he can come in is is five. And I think Hetmyer is a much better five than uh, than Carey. And, and and similarly, I think Stoinis is is or well, Stoinis could come in at five as well. But I think the Hetmyer uh, Hetmyer Stoinis pairing is they well they're both better than Carey. Is what is what is why also why he's, got, he's got a better hat as well. Yes, Hemar does have. He has maybe the best headwear in the in the tournament, or the best headwear choices. And in the IPL, headwear is very important. We know that <laughs> it is. Yeah, um, that brings us on to the final game since our last show, which which happened today. The Royal Challengers Bangalore v Kolkata Knight Riders. Um, as we sort of mentioned earlier, it really was the the De Villiers show. The wicket was weird, but quite very tacky, um, and and everyone struggled on it all day, apart from De Villiers, who hit seventy three off 33 balls, including seven sixes. Uh, then when Royal Challengers Bangalore bowled, they, they took as much pace off as possible. They were bowling very slowly. Uh, and that was very hard to score off, it, 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 it transpired. Um, RCB won by 87 runs, so very easily. Yeah. Um, that means the top four is Delhi, Capitals and Mumbai Indians in, well, second and first place. Uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore third and Kolkata Knight Riders fourth. As our, as sort of my my last question on, on, on the review of the IPL, IPL games that happened over the weekend, is that how you expect things to stay, Max? Or I have not seen anything from the non-mentioned teams there to suggest that they can break into that. And I think there's probably also more that um, RCB and KKR could do because RCB have had a few a few games where they've sort of fallen apart where they really shouldn't have done and KKR I think we're yet to see them really take off I mean they've they've done well to to win the games they have but I've I've not yet seen them sort of uh, explode in the way that we sometimes might hope and there's still quite a lot yeah. to come from from well, Dre Ross as well I think so well, yeah uh, I was I think that's a good point. I think I think they've so they've won four four out of their seven games, and Andre Russell averages thirteen, which you probably wouldn't have expected had um, had someone told you that before the tournament. Um, Isabel, is there is there any hope maybe for the Rajasthan Royals, the the, that, the de facto the home of the England was, team? <laughs> well, that's the one thing I was going to say is I feel like they've just got into their stride, um, whereas someone like sunrisers Hyderabad you kind of feel as though they're, they're probably they've almost plateaued mm-hmm. I feel like Rajasthan Royals have just about worked out how to how to use Jofra Archer yeah. um, Butler's getting runs now as well um, Twati obviously is is really enjoying himself so you just kind of feel that they are on the ascendancy um, whether it's too little too late is, is kind of the key question for me there hmm. Stokes to be um, the difference maker <laughs> possibly i mean it could oh, happen yeah. um one last thing and then we will take a short break is uh sunil narine wasn't playing today uh tom banton came in and uh, narine has actually been reported to the icc for having a suspect bowling action that that doesn't technically mean he isn't allowed to play so he can he can continue playing for the Kolkata night riders but he was uh rested or or given the night off um today so we'll we'll have to We'll keep an eye on 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 how that develops. Um, anyway, we will. Yeah, I think Brendan McCullum, the coach of KKR, was interviewed on that and was like just stonewalled it. <laughs> yeah, not answer questions. Yeah, um, which maybe is wise. Um, anyway, we'll take a very quick break and then we will come back with some previews.
So the previews of the next three games to take you through to our IPL midweek special. Um, Sunrisers Hyderabad v Chennai Super Kings tomorrow. Um, the two most turgid teams in the IPL <laughs> <laughs> playing off. Uh, Max uh, and Isabel, which ponderous batting lineup do you see prevailing? Well, I just really enjoy watching Warner um, and Bairstow. And I just also really like watching Super Kings lose. <laughs> so it's SRH. SRH. So on that basis. Yeah. Uh, Max, any, any thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to make that too for SRH. I think David Warner's going to channel his anger towards Parag into the ball. Fair enough. Um, I think I think that's the Trinity. So I, I have SRH to win that as well. Um, I... I basically think whichever team bats first will win because I think 160 is too difficult for for both teams to to chase. Um, And and I think they're both capable of getting that bang first. But, you know, SRH probably, probably, probably have have slightly more talent. Um, And you said as well that CSK are no longer the sort of chasers of yesteryear. I don't really know what they are. They don't really (laughs) specialise in anything anymore. Uh, um, Specialists in failure. That can be the soundbite from this, this podcast. <laughs> what? Yeah. SRH. No, no, SESK, Specialist in Failure. You can headline the podcast. Oh, I'll get you we, we, could, we could try that. Yeah, we had Jose Mourinho on as a guest. It'll provoke something. Um, I, I think with games like this, sometimes it's important to remember in, in the middle of a good thing, and I think the IPL is a good thing, I think it's entertaining, um, that, that not everything in the good thing has to be good, and that I fully expect this game not to be good. So um, Absolutely. Well, if, everything's, look forward, if everything's good, look then everything becomes average, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, the, the game after that should be better. It's the Rajasthan Royals against the Delhi Capitals. So... Um, Rajasthan Royals, they're in a similar position to SRH in that they've uh, won three and lost four. So they've got a little bit of a gap to close on on the Kolkata Knight Riders in fourth, that final playoff spot. Um, from an England fan's perspective, it's great to see uh, Stokes back. Um, and he should have a little bit more time to adjust for this one. Uh, the Capitals, on the other hand, will be, be looking to bounce back from their defeat on Sunday. Uh, Isabel, can you see them beating Rajasthan Royals or, or vice versa? Well, I kind of feel that for Rajasthan Royals, this is kind of, they have to win this one if they are going to have a realistic prospect of, of breaking into that that top four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like they they will know that they have a lot riding on this. Um, as you say, Stokes' second game back, Butler's firing. I definitely can, you know, they've got potential to do it, certainly. Um, but I think that they'll approach it almost as if it was a final. Um, and whether that will work in their favour or not, I don't know. Okay. Um, so is that your? It sounds a little bit like you're sitting on the fence there. I'm, I'm going to. Pr- I quite I'm... want. I quite want Rider Sam Rolls to win because I want it to kind of open up. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. Um, yeah. Max, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm sort of very, very similar. Um, I, I again would like to see Rider Sam Rolls win. Whether they will, I, I don't know. I, I think. Let's say let's say Stokes is going to do it. This this is where Stokes comes to the <laughs> fore and uh, and makes a name for himself just just off the plane, not quite is... fresh off the plane, but almost fresh off the plane. He does like a comeback, doesn't he, or or a kind of underdog style victory, yeah, even I mean, when when he, in theory he times he... it well generally, doesn't he? When he comes yeah. comes uh, comes good. So now seems as good a time as any. Yeah, um, my one reservation with Stokes is that I think Rajasthan Royals' big problem is their their bowling attack, and I'm not sure Stokes is the answer to that. 
Um, so if you compare the two, two t- or if you compare if you compare the two games that Daily Capitals, so the one on Sunday and the one today, um, Mumbai Indians were able to beat Delhi Capitals by having lots of good bowlers. I think if you really simplify it, I think the Rajasthan Royals really only have Jofra Archer, who you'd say was was sort of elite mm. or excellent. Um, Shreyas Gopal as well. I like him. I think um, I, I I like him, but I would say he's more of a fourth or fifth bowler for for Mumbai Indians. Say, um, and I think that make means it's quite hard for for them to exert pressure over the full twenty overs. And you've actually sort of seen some teams basically just not trying or just block out Jofra, um, and uh, and knowing that they have maybe sixteen overs of, of easier bowling to face. So for that reason, I'm going to say Delhi Capitals are going to possibly eliminate Rajasthan Royals early in the tournament. But we'll see. I mean, I would like Rajasthan Royals to win, I think, because, it, it, like you say, it does open things up. Going hell over heart. Yes, exactly. And then the final game uh, of, the, of the, the, well, not the, the trio. Week, or the, the trio. Uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore v Kings Eleven Punjab. Uh, so the Royal Challengers Bangalore, they won twice over the weekend to spend third in the table. We saw Kohli and De Villiers both having very good games. Their spinners look good. Uh, Kings Eleven, on the other hand, look terrible. Um, they lost a game they definitely should have won, and are now almost certainly out of playoff contention. So should be pretty low. Um, for all of those reasons, I expect Royal Challengers Bangalore to implode and lose the Kings Eleven. Job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that's what they say: is once you're out, I assume that you're the most dangerous beast there, aren't you? Because you could literally do anything. <laughs> um, I no, I genuinely, I'm going to say Kings Eleven Punjab to win that one. Um, any 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 thoughts, and then we will wrap up the show. Max, you just you just reversed yourself from going head over heart to going heart over head. It's, I feel. with Royal Challengers Bangalore. There's no that's you can't. There's no head. Yeah, there's no head. <laughs> they have got no head, so you have to go on heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although I kind of from the from their very sort of businessman like performance today, their their sort of their win today, I feel like they are they just. They're just going bang, bang, bang. This is what we need to do. Tick box, go. And I kind of feel like they'll they'll introduce that into this game and just get on with it. I'm very much in the lightning won't strike twice camp when it comes to Royal Royal Challengers Bangalore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Max, uh, final thoughts from you. I think Royal, Chal- Royal Challengers Bangalore will bat first and they will score <laughs> 230. Was it a Sharjah special? Yep. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Can we call? Can we? Will we get to a position where we just call RCB the Somerset of the IPL, where they always kind of you think they're going to do something and they're always <laughs> never win it. <laughs> um, I, yeah, well, we we can start that trend. That's my closing um, thought. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, this has been the Cricket Podcast for another week. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Cricket Pod. Um, as Max said at the beginning of the show, leave us a review and hit the subscribe button and so on and so on. Tell your friends. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, Isabel, thank you very much for joining us and um, enjoy the rest of your evening. Um, thank, thank you, Max. You. Pleasure.